All right, well, welcome everyone to the eight. I'm so happy to see many of you guys here. We are today wrapping up our last talk of our series called The Fullness of Life. Just a quick recap, why in the world are we doing a series called The Fullness of Life and what on earth does that mean? So we have to start with our mission statement here at St. Mark Church. Our mission statement here at St. Mark Church is we exist to connect people to the fullness of life found in Jesus Christ following the ancient faith of the Orthodox Church. Jesus came not to just say, I bless you. Jesus didn't come just to make us happy, make us feel good. He came to make us whole. He came to restore our brokenness, every aspect of who we are, our physical, mental, relational, every aspect of who we are is designed to be whole. In order for it to be made whole, I need to look at the one who is whole, who is the fullness of life, Jesus, the Son of God. In addition to our mission statement, we have three core values. Our first core value is come as you are. People who are nothing like Jesus gravitated toward him. And what is true of Christ should be true of us. Regardless of your background or past, your Savior invites you to come and see. People who are nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. People who are nothing like him, people who are nothing like him liked him. And what is true of him should be 100% true of you and me. Our second core value is transcendent worship, which we talked about last week. Liturgical and personal worship points us to something so much bigger than ourselves. Our participation in the sacramental life is the foundation of our ancient faith and allows us to enter into a transformational life in Jesus. So if you have missed any of these three previous talks, uh, you can check them out on our YouTube channel at, at stmarkatl.church. But for today, we're talking about our last third core value. But before we get into that, let me share some statistics with you. 20, for the past 24 hours, this is what has occurred over the past 24 hours. 36,000 people have died of starvation. 183 million orphans remained fatherless. There has been 22 U.S. veterans that committed suicide. There has been 125,000 people were aborted. And 29 people died due to drunk to drunk driving. Many of us, when you hear these stats, unfortunately, we have become numb to it. Why? Everything is right now. Everything is instant. Like, the, believe it or not, there was a time where people would know what's going on in the world just through a newspaper that was on their front porch. Now everything is vibrating in our pocket, and we know of everything all the time. And subconsciously, we have become numb to it. Like, for me, to read those stats, like, yeah, I just saw that the other day on Twitter. And we kind of just become numb to what's going on around the world because we're overexposed to everything all the time. And many of us feel, you know what? It's unfortunate, but you know what? I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to really pray for them. Because, you know, I, I can't really do anything about these stats. I mean, you're talking about thousands of people. I can't do much about it. But you know what? I'm going to pray for them. Why we end up saying, you know what, I'm just going to pray for them instead of doing an action. Prayer is fabulous. But we're called not just to pray for them, but to also be Jesus, to be an extending arm to those. But many of us don't. And let me tell you a little thing that is going on inside of me and inside of you subconsciously of why we don't really help those people. Let me give you a couple examples before I tell you why we don't really help these people. As a kid, 
for, well, it's true for a lot of us even till today. Liturgy is super long. Liturgy is super long. So as a kid, I used to be very strategic of when I should, you know, let me extend me bowing down so I can rest. You know, I'll play with my kid, I'll play with my friends under the pews. So maybe time will go by faster. And you know what? I'm going to ask Uncle Samir to go for a bathroom break. <laughs> I definitely don't need to pee. I didn't drink anything that morning, but I'm 100% going to say I need a bathroom break. And strategically, I would go to take a bathroom break during the longest parts of liturgy. Commemoration of saints was my cue. Like, because I know there's no kneeling down, so I want to maximize that time at church. But when there's a long period of standing, can I go use the bathroom? And what did usually the older deacon used to tell me? Well, if I let you go, then I'm going to have to let the others go. And I was thinking in my head, like, who said that? Like, I'm asking you, I want to go to the bathroom. What does that have to do with the other doofuses standing here for liturgy? What does that have to do with them? I'm, I'm wanting to go to the bathroom. What does that have, like... You can let me go. Who's, no one's twisting your arm. No one's putting a gun to your head saying that you have to let everyone go. I'm saying I need to go to the bathroom. What does that have to do with everybody else? You know this to be true. As parents, you do that all the time with your kids. You also do it in your, in your workplace. That one coworker says, hey, you know, my daughter's, you know, selling Girl Scout cookies. Would you want to buy some? And then you're thinking in your head, well, if I buy for this coworker, I know that guy next to me is going to ask the same thing. And if I do it for him, I have to do it for all. We're all thinking it. Subconsciously, we're thinking this. If I let you do it, I have to let everyone else do it. If I let you do it, what the older deacon would tell me, if I let you do it, if I let you go to the bathroom, I have to let everyone else do it. If I buy a Girl Scout cookie from you, I, if I buy Thin Men's from you, then I got to buy Thin Men's from, from, from the other coworker too. If I do it for someone else, I have to do it for all. This subconsciously is running through our head from our childhood and from hearing it before. And because we've heard it before, then we say, well, if I do it for one poor person or if I help this one person, then I got to do it for all. So you know what? Let me just pray for them. Because I mean, if I open, do it for one, then I got to do it for all. And we end up using that as our escape route. Many of us, then we'll find a way to give back to others. And we tell ourselves, I'm a good person. I did something good. And we end up belittling our service. We keep, maybe a lot of us would think, like, what I'm doing is, you know, it makes me feel good, but it's not, like, big. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing anything big. Like, I'm just doing this small, small thing. You know, I'm, I'm teaching, you know, a bunch of four-year-olds, you know, some, some verse from Sunday school. Something big. But, you know, it, it's something. Or I do this for the church, or I do this at work, I do this for those in need, but it's nothing big. You know, I'm not like, I'm not like the, the early Christians. And many of us look at, like, we look at the icons, you look at the icons of, of, of the early Christians, and you see that they got halos around their head, and they're just so holy. We kiss their icon, we, we, we glorify them, we venerate them. I'm not like them. Like, they're, they're, they're a different, I mean, they came out of the womb with a halo on their head, for crying out loud. That's not me. I don't relate to that. They're different. They're different. I'm not like them. And we end up belittling what we do as we give to others. The first part of our, of our core value, our third core value is to become the light. Become the light. The first part of, of an explanation of this third core value is this. The call to carry the true light to our world applies to us just as much as it did to the early Christians. Let me read that again. The call to carry the true light to our world applies to us just as much as it did to the early Christians. And you read that, and you say, 
yeah, we're supposed to carry, you know, we're supposed to carry the true light just like the early Christians did. But, you know, like, they, that was a different time. Like, they, they died for Jesus. They did all this kind of stuff. They left everything. Like, those, those 12 guys, they left everything to go follow Jesus. Like, that's I mean, good for them. They're the best. They're in heaven. Great. But, you know, I, I try to do some nice small things to make me feel like I'm a good person. And we don't relate to them. But you know what? Let me give you a glimpse of this one person, one of those 12, that committed to following Jesus. This person is John, St. John. If you look at St. John, so it, look, at, there's four records of Jesus' life. There's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are very all similar, have a very similar format and record of Jesus' life. And there's a fourth one, which is recorded by John. And he's one one of the closest to Jesus. And you'll usually see him right next to Jesus and many icons and many pictures of Jesus. He records a very unique story of Jesus. So he's been right beside Jesus throughout all the highs and the lows of the three years. So there's a lot that he recorded. He was actually the only disciple that died of natural causes. So he outlived Peter. He outlived Paul. Like he's seen it all. He's seen so many people being persecuted and tortured, like he's seen it all. And he was the last person to record uh, the record of Jesus' life in his gospel. One of the unique things about what St. John wrote is that he reduced Jesus. He reduced Jesus to one word. He reduced Jesus to one word. This man has seen Jesus take dirt, spit on it, and give a guy an eyeball. He saw somebody that has been dead, dead for days, raised from the dead. He has seen him overcome death himself. He has seen Jesus give life and freedom to so many. And as Jesus at the end, as John near the end, as he was sitting by himself and said, you know what? Let me take some time to record how my life has been rocked by this man I followed decades ago, Jesus. And as he sat, and he wrote down, you know what? God is love. Out of everything I saw, even I saw persecution, I saw betrayal, I saw all this, all this hardships. At the end of the day, he is love. As, G, as John is recording his gospel, he adds this at the end. Like he's, he has this huge scroll. He's writing all the stuff that he can remember seeing from Jesus. And at the very end of his record, at the end of this huge scroll, he writes these lines. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, including me, which are not written in this book that I'm writing. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life. In his name. What is St. John saying? St. John's saying, listen, I ran out of papyrus paper. I don't have any more thing, I don't have anything else to write on. If I, I there's not enough paper for me to write down everything that I saw Jesus do and how that transformed my my life, my relationships, my, my hardships. He rocked every part of who I am. I don't have enough paper to write all that down. But what I am sharing with you and what I wrote earlier in this script, everything I'm sharing with you is for you to have the fullness of life. Like I'm here, like all of this I'm reading is for you just to, 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 to see the fullness of life. Everything I wrote before is just giving you a little taste. It's just giving you a little glimpse of who Jesus is. That's what he said at the very last, the end of, of, his, of his record. 
of his gospel. But if you look at the very beginning, now go into the mind of St. John. St. John was the only guy out of all 12 disciples that have seen Jesus do amazing things. He was the only one that was there watching his Savior die on a cross. And Jesus told John, hey, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to take care of my mom. I need you to take care of my mom Mary for me. So John from that point took care of St. Mary for many years after that point. So just imagine now, imagine that you are St. John and you're sitting there having to take care of, of, of the mother of God. You have to just taking care of the mother of Jesus. So every time you went around to town, every time you went to Starbucks, every time somebody would always ask Mary, hey, Mary, aren't, aren't, you, aren't you the mom of, of Jesus, that guy from Nazareth? Dude, tell me, tell me how was it? Tell me how was it, Mary, like, like for you to have for angel come and tell you that you're going to bear God? Like, how did you feel? Like, wh what were you wearing? What, like, what time of the day was it? Everyone was asking Mary all those questions, and John was, I, John has probably heard the story of the birth of Jesus 10,000 times because he's sitting there trying to take care of this old lady around, and, and she, she keeps on sharing the story everywhere she went because everyone is so curious of knowing the birth of Jesus. So John has heard the story 10,000 times of the birth of Christ. But when, Jesus said, when John sat by himself and said, let me begin writing down the record of Jesus, it's fascinating how he opens up. He doesn't begin about the birth. He doesn't begin like a, about the birth. He begins with this. In the beginning was the word, Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And actually, Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. He wasn't just some like fabulous guy, an inspirational guy, and holy guy. Actually, he was God. Like, I, I, I lived with him. He was and he is God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. What is John saying? Like, he is the existence of all. He is the being. He is all in all. Like, he is the fullness of everything. He continues. In him, in this man Jesus, was life itself. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. I have seen his light shine in the, the darkest times over the past years. I have seen him, when, when, when everything seemed hopeless, everything seemed came to a dead end, I saw his light shining. And the darkness, and he thought for a second, of Jesus being light, being the true light in the world. But he also saw darkness in the world. And he said, you know what? With all the light of who Jesus was, the darkness has not overcome it. All that Jesus is and all the pain and agony and stress and anxiety in the world, the darkness could not override the light. He understood that the true light was able to outshine any darkness, any pain, any hardship that anybody could ever go through if we're looking at the true light. Years later, St. Paul was writing in a letter to the city of Corinth. And he told them this. He's like, guys, what communion can light have with darkness? What communion, like, can you mix light and darkness together? Can you mix, so he's saying there, there's no mixture of the two. Like, there's, there's either light or there's darkness. The, the whole room could be dark, but if there's one light candle, candle in the back, there's light. And the light is able to give light to the whole room 
regardless of how much darkness. We are called to become the light. Jesus became the true light to give light to others and give light to us. What is our light? What is our light? If you notice, one of the most used analogies that Jesus gave and, and, and is light. Light is not us, you know, preaching to our coworker and then me verbalizing all this and, and saying, you need to follow Jesus Christ and you need to accept him. Last time I checked, light does not talk. Light is not yelling, saying, look at me. I'm giving light to this whole ballroom. Light doesn't talk. My question for myself, my question for you, what is your light? If we are following the true light, we are called to become his light to others. But what does that look like? What does it look like tomorrow morning? It might look like of how you are an active listener with someone else. One of the best advice I ever got last year from someone is the best thing that we can do to anyone is to actively listen to them. Not jump to a conclusion. A lot of us guys, a lot of us husbands like to do that. Fix the problem really quickly. Maybe I just need to hear someone out. Maybe it's what we say. More importantly, maybe it's what we don't say of how I can become the light. You know what? Take today's gospel. You know, maybe for me to be the light might be just me being real. Me just being raw. Maybe me just showing my struggles to others. Maybe that's how I can be the light. Parents, maybe how we're called to be a light is by our kids seeing how they see our marriage, how they see us parenting them. The best investment that we can make for our kids for their future marriage is how they see us. We are called to make a generational impact on our kids. You know, we say in a mission statement, as Orthodox Christians, there is a mission statement that has existed for centuries. And this is called the creed. The creed, we declare of who we are. What's our identity as being followers of Jesus and following the ancient faith? And there's a part where we say that Jesus is light of light. That he is a light that is actually of the same essence of another light. If I had to, imagine I had two candles here. And I, you know, they're, they're not lit. And then I turn around and I lit them. You wouldn't be able to know which one was lit first. You couldn't tell the difference. Because both are light. Like, you couldn't, tell, you couldn't say, oh, this one looks like it's been burning for, you know, 13 seconds more than this one. You couldn't say that. Both are light. Just as Jesus became the light of God in a physical, intangible, and real way, we are called to be lit from this light as well. Imagine. Imagine that, that Jesus, now we are getting lit from this light, and then called to be that same light to others. Again, what does that look like? That's for you to determine that. I give you a few examples. But we're called to be, to become, we're called to become the light, and we're called to give that light to others. Not take care of this light and say, you know, I come and, you know, I come and see the light on Sundays. You know, when things are getting really bad, sometimes I like open the Bible real quick and see, you know, maybe a verse, maybe God wants to talk to me. And we take care of this light, and we get comfortable with our light. But I'm called to give that light and to become the light and to give that light to others. Okay, great, Father Nathaniel, we should be nice, good Christians. We should follow Jesus. We should be the light of the world. And, you know, like Michael Jackson said, we should make the world a better place. Yes, and glory be to God forever, amen. I want you to apply this tomorrow. I want you to apply this tomorrow. Do for one. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. 
Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Can you save world, can you heal, can you fix world hunger? I don't know. Can you, these, these huge problems that you see on the news and in the world, can you fix it? I don't know. But one thing you can for sure is you can do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You know, can you have, can you have a genuine relationship with every coworker? No. But you can do for one what you, sh- what, what you wish you could do for everyone. It's more important to go deeper than wide. Many of us think if I do a little bit here, a little bit there, and a little things, that I'm a good person, I'm a good, and, and I, I did my part. I did my part. I did my Christian duty. I did Operation Christmas Child. I did my part. I served. I got the coffee. I'm good to go. More important than just going wide, it's more important to go deep. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I heard this amazing meditation by Pope Shenouda III. So going back to light. Jesus, the true light, gave his light to 12 other guys. Those 12 other guys gave light to others. And actually, Jesus appointed 72 other guys to give light to other people. One of those 72 other guys goes by the name of Mark the Apostle, which is our patron saint of this church. St. Mark came to a foreign land as him being light, gave light to another guy named Ananias. Ananias. He gave light to someone else. So St. Mark gave, was the first guy to, to bring the true light to Egypt. He gave light to somebody else. And then 117 people later, we have Pope Shenouda, the head of the Coptic Orthodox, or the head of the Orthodox Church in Egypt, the Coptic Orthodox Church. And he said this. If you find something good in you, do not be puffed up and do not boast. Do not fight yourself with self-righteousness, but attribute every glory to God. What is Poshinuta saying? That's great. Like, I want you to give others. I want you to become the light and give to others. But don't think for a second that's your light that's shining. There's somebody else that's shining within you. You may shine like the moon and your light increases till you become a full moon. But in all this, remember that the moon is a dark satellite which derives its light from the sun and has no light in itself. Newsflash, there's no light that comes directly from the moon. It's just a reflection from the sun, but that's a different story for another time. If the sun disappears, the moon will not appear because it is dark by its nature. Now, would the moon dare speak of its light before the sun? Is it, it is the same with you, my beloved, and the presence of God. You are called to give light to this world. How? I can't answer that for you. I'm called to give light to this world by following the true light. But at the end of the day, it's not your light. It's definitely not my light. That I, if I'm looking at the true light, then I continue to extend and radiate his light to others. Just like at the moon, the moon saying, look at me, man. I'm giving light to the whole darkness. The sun is just a reflection of the sun, and we're called to do the same. Our core value, become the light. The call to carry the true light to our world applies to us just as much as it did to the early Christians. And we have been entrusted to continue to bring his light, not only to our lives, but to our city of Atlanta.
I want this church, CMR Church, to be an uncomfortable church. I want it to be an uncomfortable church. I want it to be uncomfortable because we're always wanting to give out others without expecting anything in return. We're uncomfortable right now just because we're a portable church and we got to get here an hour early just to set everything up. We're already uncomfortable. But I want us to, to extend that uncomfortable feeling in every aspect. Like to, us to continue to be the light. I, wanted, I want us to reach to a point where the city of Atlanta says, you know that St. Mark church is kind of weird. Like that, that guy Nathaniel, like he's wearing a dress and stuff like that. But you know what? They always give us. They always come and love us. They come and give us so many things and extend a hug and, and, and love without ever expecting, thing, expecting anything in return. I, I don't know what they believe. I don't even know if they're Christian or what, but you know what? There's something about them. I want people to say that about us. I want people to say that about us. And then from there, that's going to spark a conversation. Hey, what, you know, what are you guys? Are you guys Christian? What are you guys? And that's how we can become the light as a church family. I also want us to become the light by people to realize we do not have it all together. If we're coming in here and I, and, and I want us to smile, I want us to bond, I want us to have a good time. But if we're not there leaning on each other, then at the end of the day, we're just a country club. If we're coming together just to smile and have a good time and eat out and go to Starbucks and, and call it a day, we're just a country club. But if we're here to build genuine, authentic relationships and to know that we're all broken, then that's what's going to allow people for them to come as they are, as our core value says. Regardless of your past or background, your Savior invites you to come and see. I want us to be a hospital for this broken person to come to, for everyone to come to. Just as Jesus gave light to those 12 guys and to 72 other guys, and then, the, and they gave, and then, then St. Mark took his assignment, went to Egypt, brought the light there. He had a conversation with a shoemaker, and that ended up being the second guy to lead Christianity in Egypt. And that guy found another third guy, and then here we are, 118 guys later, that appointed other leaders, and they moved here and brought orthodoxy to America, and here we are today in the year 2018. There is no difference. We are in that continuity of bringing the fullness of life. I want us to be a church that's in Atlanta for Atlanta. We're here as a hospital to bring our brokenness for us to seek the fullness of life and inviting others to come and seek the fullness of life. For us to become the true light, for us to become the light by following the true light. All right, let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, sometimes we look at the early Christians, we look at the disciples, we look at these guys and, 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 and feel like we can't really relate to them. We read their stories and, and feel they're just, they were just born holy. But Lord, we are born holy too. We are born needing your love. We are born needing healing. Lord, we come to you wanting to find that true light, to shine in the darkest parts of who we are. Maybe parts that are kind of isolated that we've hid from, from others, Lord, we want your light to shine within that. And then once your light shines within us, then we can extend your true light to others. We want to become the light to others. 
through the prayers of St. Mark, who brought your true light to Egypt. Here's as we all pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.